Before we start today's episode of Zillennial Canon, we just wanted to let you know that there's a link in our description to some friends of the pod, including Adam's second podcast, Aggressively Okay, that he hosts with Joe, Back to Back, SeltzerCast, and a few others that we know you'll enjoy. Thanks for supporting us, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Welcome back to Lou Ferrigno's Open House. This is Elenial Cannon. I'm Kira. I'm Adam. And before the pod, we were talking about, like, where would we put a pod room if we had our own space? And honestly, I want to go to Lou Ferrigno's house and just set up a podcasting room. There. No, I want to I wanna go in uh, Sydney's, like, shack. Oh, that's the ultimate pod. Like, that entire room, the pod room. (laughs) You know that, like, if this movie was made in, like, the 2020s, I hate even saying that, the 2020s, they would be podcasters. They would be like, yo, like... At least Sydney would be, yeah. The 2019 and up Mm -hmm. is, like, we should start a band has turned into, we should start a podcast. Yep. Um, Do you remember that, um one tiktok where it was like white guys can only do like three things and it's like drink beer together uh like watch stupid movies and the third one's like uh start a podcast or something like it's true and it's like literally every male friend that i have they all have podcasts (laughs) um so yeah i think sydney at the very least sydney would have a podcast Paul Rudd's character would not have a podcast, but he'd be a frequent guest and he would have like NPR podcasts like downloaded onto his car. Yes, like, I was thinking constantly. the same thing. He would just be like listening to NPR and then Sydney was like, yo, you've never heard of this podcast? Just wait, it's going to blow your mind. And then they'd like start a podcast together where they like smoke weed and like review like <laughs> potato chips or something. And then um, Rashida Jones was like, what has gotten into you? So, <laughs> um, so we're talking I Love You Man 2009, which I like to refer to as the ultimate dude rock movie um, mm-hmm. because it's one of the few good ones, I think. Um, it, I mean, do you have any memories with this movie, like at all? Yeah, actually. Um... This was one of those movies where it was one of the only, like, it was probably, like, my first R-rated comedy that I really, like, fixated on. Like, you know, when, like, you have that one where it's, like, the first one that was accessible to you. So it just becomes, like, your favorite movie in the whole world. So this was, like, I borrowed it from a friend. And then, like, they made, like, a copy of the DVD for me. And, um... I just watch this like all the time because I had access to it and I just love it so much. Um, I think it's like honestly one of the funniest and most fun movies like ever mm-hmm. and definitely a crush on Paul Rudd that has persisted. Nevertheless, she persisted. 
yeah forever um yeah i mean sort of same um this is like definitely one of those later millennial movies i feel like in i mean 2009 already pretty late for like what we normally cover mm-hmm. but i don't think i saw this until i was like hmm, 13 or 14 probably um i definitely like remember it was like early tumblr days like yeah. when i first saw it because like I always knew about this movie, but like there's something about like certain screenshots I saw on Tumblr that was like, oh, I should like watch this movie like fully. Because <laughs> um, I think I saw bits and pieces when I was like super young, uh, like eleven or something. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it like stayed with me at that young of an age. But when I got a little bit older, I think I, uh, I'm pretty sure I rented it and I just had a very uh, instant appreciation for it and it's kind of just become a very constant in my life um i don't have a lot of legitimate comfort movies that i turn to like because usually when i feel bad i just turn off my phone and i don't i don't watch media i just you're stronger you know, than the rest of us media does not comfort me media <laughs> makes media me, is a burden media is a burden <laughs> That's what happens when you go into like criticism. It's like this is my job. I can't enjoy anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So like with that, I, I I don't have a lot of comfort movies where I feel like if I turn on like whatever movie, it will like make me feel better. But this is one of those movies, and I and when we were uh, picking it last week, um, I was really going through it like mentally. And Kira, mm-hmm. like, the night before, because uh, we're recording this, like, a week later than intended. So, like, the night before we were going to record, Kira was, like, asking me, like, hey, you know, what's your pick this week? And I was kind of like, oh, fuck. Like, I'm like, I don't even know what I want to watch. I'm like, I don't even know if I want to watch a movie this week. Um, and then I looked at the list, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I love you, man. Because, like, it that's a movie, or this is a movie, rather, that no matter how many times I've seen it, no matter what point in my life I put it on. Mm-hmm. It always works for me. It never feels like a chore to sit through. It is always something that only makes me feel good. Like there's never, I don't think there's anything particularly bad about this movie that has aged poorly. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything that's truly problematic or anything. Like it's just pure. It's a pure yeah. comedy. But it's not so pure that it sacrifices laughs. Like, it's raunchy, and it goes for, like, deeper laughs. Um, But I almost want to say it's ahead of its time, almost. Like, it, the the way that this movie, like, very much, I don't know, normalizes, like, men loving men, like, platonically, and, like, male friendships, and just the beauty of that. But not, like, in a gross, toxic way. Like, in a way that's, like... Like... I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like, men who genuinely love each other. Mm-hmm. And would, like, die for each other. <laughs> but, like, in the most pure fashion. And, like... I don't know. I think this movie was so ahead of its time. If it came out, like, today... On, like, Netflix or something... Because, you know, comedies don't exist in theaters anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be, like, raved, I think. For, like, what it's doing... But I mean, it came out so long ago. It doesn't feel that old, but it came out a long time ago. 
Yeah, it, um, I feel like it's not even necessarily, like, like, which, like, this is, like, one of my favorite comedies, so, like, this isn't even me, like, I don't know. I feel like it isn't even, like, that, like, great of a movie. It's just, like, so, like, good, you know? No, <laughs> like, that's... I don't know how to describe it. It's, like, there's nothing really, like, like, I don't know how to describe it. It's, like, not really that, I don't know. It's just I mean, vibes. It's just vibes for me. I, I wouldn't say it's, like, funnier than, like, <clears throat> a lot of movies that are, like, claimed from the mid-2000s, like, for, like, comedy-wise, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't say it's, like, funnier than Tropic Thunder or, like, Step Brothers or anything, but, like, it's uh, it's not trying to i think the thing that really works for this movie is the sincerity of it um like and i think also a lot of men really gravitate towards this movie because i feel like a lot of guys feel like these two like because it's very much a not to go fully fucking deep on this pod but like you know toxic masculinity is like a very real thing and you know you're told throughout life like yeah you can have male friends but you can't like tell them you love them or like all these things mm-hmm. and then as you get older if you're going in the right direction i feel like you kind of realize how stupid all that is mm-hmm. and to see a movie like this just totally embrace like again two male friends who completely love each other mm-hmm. it's just it's so nice to see like a movie that like literally validates like fuck talk to masculinity like fuck all those like preconceived like uh, douchey frat movies where like mm-hmm. they're only friends because they like want to fuck women together or like they want to like go like do drugs together. Like no, they love each other because they have common interests, common values. Like they just have an amazing time with each other, and they're both fucking dorks. <laughs> and, like it's just so pure and it's so nice and it's like literally the easiest movie to watch. It's yeah. So good. I think that's mainly what it is for me is that, like you said, like it like holds up really well and not even that I'm like watching every movie through the lens of like, Oh, like, is this gonna like hold up? Like, I don't know, but it's just easy to just have on and like mm-hmm. forget about the world for like two seconds. Um, well, even like, I think it also like does a good job at presenting like the other because like, it does a good job at presenting like how good their friendship is and like how um healthy of a friendship they have but like it does a good job of presenting like how annoying it is to like meet friends and like how yeah, yeah. exhausting it is to try to like fit into a friend group um like I feel like the, as an adult like yeah and just feeling so like alienated like I definitely like I feel like this this episode is just going to be us, like, sharing, like, personal stories. Um, <laughs> like, I'm, like, currently in college, and I'm older than everyone else in my program. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, like, trying to relate to them. And I just, like, have come to terms with the fact of, like, okay, like, I'm just not going to make friends, and I'm just going to, like, quietly graduate. And then, like, it comes to, like, having to do, like, group work and, like, peer reviews, and I'm just, like cool yeah (laughs) just like aimlessly writing in the group chat hey if anyone needs help just like 
walk up to me. <laughs> well, I don't know. I yeah no. I <laughs> I, okay. I, I relate to him. College is absolutely like a humbling experience for that. Yeah, especially um, when you're like fucking almost twenty five. Yes. Um, like, how do you do, fellow kids? <laughs> Well, I think one of, like, my favorite, not my favorite scene in the whole movie, but, like, a scene that, like, makes me laugh hysterically, like, every time I watch it, is when he's, like, at fucking John Favreau's house, and... Yeah, Enemy of the Pod, John Favreau. Again, I, I'm a notorious John Favreau defender. I think he's quite a good actor and a talented filmmaker, <laughs> but he... No, yeah, he's funny in this. He's so fucking funny in this. Like, I love the way... I don't even remember where the hate comes from. Is it because of... The like, live action Lion King. Yeah, which like I don't like, but I don't care enough to like hate him for it either. Yeah, I don't even remember why. <laughs> no, he's fine. He's completely fine. I. <laughs> um, it's just funny that he's like the enemy of the pod. Only for you, I like the guy a lot. <laughs> um, James Corden, enemy of the pod. That we can agree on. Um, <laughs> Josh, Josh Gad. We can also agree on that. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like that scene when he's like trying to like binge drink with John Favreau's friends and he like fucking pukes on him. Just okay. like project. that's my one criticism of this movie is that I don't find puke scenes funny and I think that all movies would do better without them. I normally don't, but there's something about how aggressive and cartoonish it is in this movie. And then like the little pause between interactions, like he just pukes and there's like a moment of silence and he's like, I'm sorry. And then the way John Favreau was like, just get the fuck out get get out <laughs> and he just starts screaming like get the fuck out of my house <laughs> so like every time it happens i like i laugh like super hard um okay another, again the supporting cast amazing i was yeah i was just gonna say the cast in this so i think it's fucking hilarious like jk simmons and andy samberg being in this for was, like three scenes <laughs> I was gonna. That's exactly what I was gonna bring up. It's like the, Dad um, loves the gays. <laughs> yeah, I made him. Uh, what do you say? Like an honorary homo, like or something. Yeah. And yeah. like. <laughs> like literally for no reason, and not even for like a punchline or anything. Like Andy Samberg is just his gay brother. Like. No, it's not. Yeah, that's a funny thing. It's not even a it's joke. Just... <laughs> um, the only like the funny like the only joke that comes out of it is like that he can close with straight guys. And I think mm-hmm. that's, like, extremely funny. Like, at the gym when the guy with the ring is, like, yeah, I hope I do see you. And then, like, he gives Paul Rudd, like, a weird look. <laughs> like, it, that seems so funny. And, like, later he's, like, at um, the engagement party, um, like, with Andy Samberg. Uh, but, my, what, again, like, one of the – I sent this to Kira when I was watching it last week. Um, but that line where uh, Andy Samberg's like giving him advice about how to like make platonic male friends, mm. and he's like, you know, just go to a bar with them. If you're not doing dinner in a movie, you're not taking these boys to see Devil Wears Prada. And Paul Rudd's like, oh, I love that movie. <laughs> and like the way Andy Samberg like looks at him in that moment, <laughs> like it makes me laugh every single time. <laughs> um, I forgot the actor's name, but the guy that uh. Uh, Paul Rudd goes on a date with, but he's not aware it's a date. The one from Seventeen again. Yes. Yes. Um, that is again. I, I know. I just keep saying this, but that's one of my favorite parts too. Just because <laughs> the way the way like 
everything like it's in a montage but the way like it closes with that yeah and he like fucking like the way he like awkwardly goes in for a kiss and paul rudd is just like standing there like letting it happen yeah and he (laughs) and then he like pulls away looks at paul rudd for a second then goes in for another kiss it's also funny though that like Paul Rudd, like I feel like if this movie was made like a year earlier, it would have been like oh like disgusting, gross. But he's literally just like okay, and then he goes home and like, yeah. he, like tells Rashida Jones, and she's just like, really? He kissed you? Really? Go brush your teeth. Like I love that. <laughs> you taste like cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, like he's she's like like she's not even kissing? mad. She's just like okay. He's <laughs> like, are you kissing someone? He's like, no. Okay, yeah. <laughs> She's like, you sp- taste like an ashtray. Yeah, he got up in there. He got pretty deep. Like, the joke's not even the fact that he's gay. It's just the misunderstanding of the situation that's funny. And that's something I think this movie does really well, is that it avoids stereotypical humor, and it makes it more about, like, miscommunication than, like, gay jokes or sexist jokes. It's just, like, literally about communication and how weird it is to make friends and Mm -hmm. go out with people like and i think paul rudd is quite literally the perfect actor to portray that awkwardness like i don't think there is maybe a better person in hollywood who can both convey awkwardness but also be such a how do i put it like just he's always serviceable as a lead like he even when he's as most awkward you want to watch a movie with him yeah like he can do both he can lead a movie but that's about a completely socially awkward guy and it works completely he he sells it on percent this is one of my favorite roles he's ever done he's so good in it my first note for this movie was finally adam's not going to be mad at me for thinking that some random white guy is hot no, I think, um, <laughs> I mean, Paul Rudd is just, like, a classic. I mean, he's a classic. He, I, I'm not even, like, not even, like, in a way that, like, men are, like, oh, yeah, I would, like, kiss him. Like, no, I would, like, literally marry Paul Rudd. Like, I would put it all on the line for Paul Rudd. <laughs> um, completely, I'm not, like, not even a joke. Like, I would do it. No, um, yeah, yeah. Like, goodbye, alt girls forever. Like, I. <laughs> goodbye, alt girls. Hello, Paul Rudd. Hello, Paul Rudd. That's going to be the name of your memoir when you're like 90 years old. <laughs> I love him so much. He's like just. Ugh, God, I love him so fucking much. And like. <laughs> and I love him because from. He's never changed. Like, from what we see, I mean, we don't know what he's like in private, but like. I hope he's a good person in private. He just seems like a dude. Like, he just seems like a guy. He never has anything to say. He's just, like, always happy to be there. Uh, Even at, like, fucking Avengers, he's like, yeah, I'm an Avenger now. Like, it's cool. Like, you know? Yeah, it's, like, I'm really glad that he's honestly, like, the most, like, chill of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, So that I'm not, like, cursed to watch, like, shitty stuff. Yeah, I think... Like, uh, I can't imagine, like, having a... Fa- uh, I shouldn't speak too soon because Harry Styles is going to be in films now. Yeah, um, big day for annoying people. Um, yeah, I, exactly. I, <laughs> I, I count myself in that. I'm absolutely should, yeah. an annoying person. Like, I, 
I am not the kind of person to be like, I'm going to go out and watch this because Harry Styles. Like, I love Harry Styles, but um, I mean, hopefully. I say this as a uh, uh, out of love for anyone listening. But if you're that person who went to see Eternals just for a post credit scene. Rethink it. Just like let's 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 dial it back a little bit. It guys. leaked on Twitter before the movie even came out. So funny. I was sitting um, with Sean eating breakfast and I just like started watching the post credit scene and he was like, I'm literally seeing that movie like tomorrow. Can you please not watch that in front of me? I was like, sorry, I literally forgot that like people care. People <laughs> people care about more than just a guy who uh just some guy who does wacky things on stage people call a sex god for it um it's so funny he could like pull off a fucking sock puppet and girls on twitter would be like he's so brave for that like (laughs) god i just realized he's gonna be interacting with chris pratt fucking kill me yeah two people that are annoying um anyways i (laughs) this is a pro harry styles podcast by the way I have nothing against Terry Styles himself. I just think his fans are annoying. Um, and you guys can come after me for that one. Um, yeah, same. I think his fans are very annoying. To quote a Connie Britton and uh, the White Lotus, and what? What do you do? Dox me? Send the K-pop stands after me? <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, watch BTS Army show up to our mentions now. No, um, don't summon that. What? We, had, we didn't say anything about BTS. <laughs> Okay, BTS, I don't care. I'm indifferent. I'll say it. I I, I really don't. And I'm so brave for saying that, that I'm indifferent to BTS. I actually don't have strong feelings one way or another. And also, same with Harry Styles as a person. I'm just saying his fans are annoying. Uh, I'm pretty sure he thinks his fans are annoying. He seems like a fine person. Um, He seems like a fine person. He seems like I I have nothing against him personally, unless he has shit that I don't know about. But like, yeah, whatever. Um, Did I tell you I saw Olivia Wilde at the concert? That's that entire situation is so stupid. Me and my friend were like sitting, like we had like kind of good seats, but we weren't like down on the floor. Like we could like we had like a view of like the whole floor. Like we were a little bit up, and. We just saw some random, like, woman in, like, a white pantsuit just, like, jumping around and dancing. And we were, like, joking around. We were, like, haha, what is that, Olivia Wilde? And then, like, do you know, like, Demois, like, the gossip, like, Instagram? Yeah. They posted a video, like, closer up, and they're, like, look at Olivia Wilde dancing at the Harry Styles concert. I was, like, oh, that was actually Olivia <laughs> Wilde. Yeah. God. New York How old is she again? I don't know. I, let's not get into that. <laughs> That's so where stupid. I draw the line. We're not so nitpicking on that right now. Ugh, okay. Enough whatever. has happened. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Fuck it. Harry, Harry Styles, if you want to come on the pod and talk, I love you, man. You're always welcome. Um, cover the One Direction concert movie. We could have Francesca Scorsese call in. Yeah. Um, that. <laughs> <laughs> Am I going to have to watch that one day for you? Yes. (laughs) Okay. I'll tell you what, though. Mm -hmm. Okay, first of all, I've never seen it because I got into a car accident the weekend that it came out. So have some pity on me. Sure. Second, 
we got to get Francesca as a guest to do that. Like, there's no other way. I mean. No, we should have gotten her for, like, Shark Tale. Is she actually obtainable? I feel like if she wasn't in that HBO series, we would have been able to get her. Like, she's not really doing a lot right now. Oh, the, um, I forgot. Yeah, she was in a, the, the, yeah. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. I watched it. It was great. Yeah. She, she was like, good in it. became an influencer. She used to, like, spill secrets. Like, she literally, like, leaked, like, Irishman stuff before it was even public on her, like, Queen. Instagram lives. <laughs> because, like, nobody would watch them. Like, she was like, oh, yeah, I think, I'm like, I'm pretty sure Joe Pesci was on set. Like, I'm pretty sure I saw him. Like, yeah, Dad was definitely talking to Joe Pesci. Like, yeah, he was definitely having Marvel beef. Um, <laughs> um, but now it's like she's like an influencer. You think Scorsese has seen "I Love You, Man"? I hope so. I think he would enjoy it if he saw it. Yeah, he always has men kissing each other on both cheeks in his movies. He definitely would love this movie. We're just going to really quick take a break for a word from some of our sponsors. Thanks, guys. Hey, friends. Do you love movies? The good ones? Even the bad ones everyone told you not to like? Of course you do. That's why you listen to this podcast. It sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies, so much that they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bringing you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From super soft t-shirts celebrating the 20th anniversary of the cinematic masterpiece Josie and the Pussycats, Zillennial Canon Award winner, I'll add that, to comfy sweatshirts made for the brave members of the Movies By Yourself Club. They even have pins of some of your favorite directors, like Sofia Coppola and Jordan Peele. Super Yaki joyously brings you tangible love letters to movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks and ships with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. As a special gift to you, because we love you and appreciate you, listeners can save 10% on their next order with code SUPERZILLENNIAL in all caps with no spaces at checkout. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. Thank you so much, Superyaki, for sponsoring this episode. Let's watch more movies, guys. So I think the way that they meet in this movie is like probably like one of my favorite like character interactions of all time. It's a meet cute. It's a meet cute. But also like the way it's just like so immediately to the point. Mm-hmm. like it's just a specific situation like he paul rudd's character has an open house and he bought all this food and no one's eating it and he just approaches him and is like you know what hey i just want to say thank you for eating the food because no one's like everyone's too scared to eat and that immediately like, puts them on the same like wavelength and he's like yeah you know i never understood it either like if there's good food and someone bought it i should eat it and <laughs> just immediately they have the connection just in terms of like arbitrary shit that they agree on mm-hmm. and that's kind of the crux of the entire movie is like that that consistent that they just have thing. like random stuff in common very niche opinions or tastes yeah or and 
but I again, one of my favorite parts of this movie is that entire scene where he's like almost psychoanalyzing the guy who has to fart. Yes. He's like, he's like yeah, yeah, they haven't had sex yet. He doesn't want to buy the house. He just wants to impress the girl that he's with so they can have sex. And he yeah. has to fart right now. <laughs> <laughs> and then Paul Rudd's like, he does appear to be clenching. <laughs> <laughs> and I love when he like fucking like lifts his leg and farts. And then just he was like, boom, motherfucker, that's a fart. <laughs> Um, I what think honestly, like, the guy's like, it's too spacey. He's like, yeah. And then JC was like, yeah, it smells like farts. <laughs> honestly, like, this sometimes has, like, I don't know if it's like Paul Rudd's like energy. Like, he's very just like movie star. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of feels like an, like, an old, like, comedy. Like, how you were like, a lot of it is like about like misunderstandings and stuff. That's like what a lot of the comedy hinges on. Like, yeah, for some reason, what? That's a very situational comedy. Yeah, like, I feel like that doesn't really, that's not really, like, too common. Like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to explain it. Like, how the movie's just, like, vibes. <laughs> I, I feel like the um, 2000s, like, very much uh, changed people's perspective on, like, what comedy can and should be. Um, mm-hmm. Because I feel like... Yeah, this is like definitely like one of the last of its kind where it's like a pure comedy. Mm-hmm. And it's not hinging on like complete like vulgarity and like gross out shit or like hyper like minute to minute laughs. Like this is almost like in the same vein of like when Harry met Sally or something where it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, it has so many scenes where characters can just be characters. And I'm not even like completely talking shit about like those other comedies. Like I think Step Brothers is like one of the finest pieces of art in the 21st century mm-hmm. but like i and i love those comedies I, I love comedies like that like jump street like i love those kind of like really rude crude comedies but that being said like there's something just so nice about a comedy that's both hilarious but sincere and it feels like the people are like actual people yeah yeah and i don't know i kind of wish I, I wish, and I don't think it will ever happen, unfortunately, but I would love for there to be a theatrical comedy resurgence the same way there has kind of been one for horror these last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it will ever happen. I think comedy has just shifted so far into TV and streaming that I don't yeah. think there's a turning back point. But it would be really cool to like see a good comedy with a packed theater again one day. Exactly. Mm. R.I.P. Yeah. Um, yeah. I... What was I going to say? I don't remember. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, but I <laughs> love... Epic. But I also like love how, um, how much Paul Reddick overthinks... Mm-hmm. like just hitting Sydney up for like casual hangouts and how like nonchalant Sydney is about the entire relationship. Yeah. Literally he's usually just like standing in the middle of nowhere doing nothing. He's yeah. Just, like, oh, wow. <laughs> well, I love that. Um, the first scene or like the first time they like go actually meet up outside of the open house, they go to mm-hmm. a, they go to a bar and, um, 
he like they have like fish tacos together and he's like because like it, he immediately like, breaks the rule that his brother sat for him he's like no food just drinks but then cindy automatically like breaks on that barrier he's like dude it's just tacos like you have to have tacos with me like they're the best tacos in town <laughs> and it's like it's just funny like that entire rule that he had in his head mm-hmm. but it's like true that's like things like that as a man that like you are told at a young age of like you can only get drinks with guys you only have like sports conversations with guys like it's mm-hmm. something that's like told to you throughout life is that like you have to have friends it's like very toxic it's a terrible thing that we're like ingrained with and i'm so glad like you know culture is changing you know where masculinity is a different thing now or hopefully it is but yeah like this movie it's just so pure in that scene (laughs) the way they go from like topic to topic so quickly like they're having debates and they do like a andre the giant impression and talk about like their sex lives but like not in a way that's gross either that's something i really appreciate about this movie yeah is that like every time he opens up about his sex life it feels like a very it's not played for a laugh it's played for like he's actually being vulnerable with his friend yeah and you can tell that like when he like oversteps the boundary at the um recept or the um rehearsal dinner or whatever engagement Mm -hmm. party um that he like genuinely like feels terrible (laughs) because you can see him like growing as a person too like that he's like i like his little arc of like him trying to become like more of like an adult yeah um yeah it's like they both have like opposite arcs like he's trying to be an adult mm -hmm. already trying to be not less of an adult but like have more fun and it's a good like it's it's just classic writing in general like to have two characters play off of each other like that Mm -hmm. just thematically and it it works so well in this movie it really does yeah um so paul rudd's character um he's definitely like a gentrifier i mean he i think he's just a guy like i (laughs) i think he I mean, like, I don't think it's, like, supposed to be, like, a commentary, but... Well, you mean, like, how he, like, buys, like, real estate and, like, he's trying to, like, get his girlfriend to, like, move her business there? Well, like, in the, in the beginning, he's, like, talking about, like, oh, these, like, beautiful new, like, luxury high-rises and stuff. I'm like, oh, he's a gentrifier. Yeah. Well, I think, um... Yeah, I can't even argue with that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Your favorite problematic Paul Rudd in I Love You, Man. Yeah, damn. Um, <laughs> but an- another thing I wanted to mention, though, like with the whole like Rashida Jones aspect of this movie, mm-hmm. I feel like a lesser movie would try to make her the uh, quote unquote like, you know, bitch wife or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it would try to like villainize her. Yeah. But it, the movie like really stresses you that she's just like them a person and like dealing with her own insecurities and like she's also like very supportive of him like something i love about this movie is like how realistic their relationship is at points too like it's very um like she gets frustrated to an extent like when 
they get like so like hanging out every single night together mm-hmm. but it never feels like there's a point where she is being unfair about her insecurities or her concerns yeah. like one of the best scenes in the movie is like when he goes to John Favreau's house where she's staying after they have an argument and he tells her like you know I've always been a girlfriend guy but like you know out of all the girlfriends I've had like you're the only one that's wanted me to have my own life like you're the only one who's wanted me to be my own person and not like be only involved with them and like again it's just like it's so real and pure and I love that so much yeah it's also like they do have their conflicts um but their relationship is never really like harmed yeah like they do have like that minor conflict but it never I don't know like I feel like in a lot of movies it'll just be like oh like we got into a fight right before the wedding like everything's called off and then like they very unrealistically like make up in the last second yeah but this feels realistic and that they're both like, this is stupid. Like, I'm sorry. Like, and then they're just like, over. and I think they're able to avoid a lot of those like romantic cliches mm-hmm. because I mean, something we haven't even talked about yet, but this movie is like literally like a riff on a rom-com, but like mm-hmm. through the perspective of, you know, quote unquote bros, mm-hmm. like it's literally like playing the same exact, like way a rom-com would but through mm-hmm. a male friendship. And I think that's something that is so clever about this movie, the way it plays off of like tropes, but without feeling like a parody mm-hmm. at the same time. Like, yeah, I think it literally just, just feels like, um, like it's yeah. how like people are like, Francis Ha is just a romantic comedy. Yeah. Like this is, a, it takes the rom-com. Like, <laughs> what if Francis Ha was for bros? Honestly, low key. What Francis if Francis Ha was for Francis Ginger Fires? for everybody. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> what if it was for Ginger Fires? Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> uh, Francis Ha... She definitely is a Ginger <laughs> I mean... Her and only, all her art friends. Only because she has, like, has to move every, like, five weeks. Um, but, yeah. She... I mean, um, in this movie, it's just, like, I love the way it does, like, the whole, like... It goes to the breakup trope of them, like, um, I mean, that's some, did you see Venom? No, you didn't see Venom 2. No, but, like, I that's something I loved Venom about, <laughs> the thing I loved about Venom 2 was, like, it was literally a breakup movie. Mm-hmm. Like, they literally have, spoilers for Venom 2, but they have to, like, break up and then get back together. And it's, like, literally a rom-com with an alien. And it's so fucking funny. That movie is, like, one, unironically one of the best of the year. <laughs> but, uh, I think I love, I have a very soft spot for movies that like poke fun at that. And I think this very, this and Venom 2, those are, that's a double feature for you. So <laughs> I'll be sure to do that when I finally see Venom 2. Don't you see Venom 1? Being Venom 1. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, that might be an ideal experience. Just like go in cold. Yeah. And don't see Venom 3 either. Just watch Venom 2 only. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like a good plan. Um, so, but I think another one of my, I think the most euphoric scene in this entire movie is when they go to the Rush concert together. Mm -hmm. I, (laughs) 
I think. <laughs> so cute. Something that's so funny about movies is like when you can clearly tell that it's just like a director is like a fan of an artist and they're like, I'm going to write in a concert scene so I can like become friends with these artists. Yeah. Or like have an excuse to like film at their concert or something. Because mm-hmm. yeah. like, it's like the same thing as like, I guess like a similar thing to like in film school, like everybody at least once makes a film where there's a scene at a party so they have an excuse to throw a party um I feel like that's the case for a lot of times when people will write in like specific musicians and stuff and they're like please can you please be in this movie because you're written to the screenplay already like it would it would be really nice (laughs) I yeah I mean this movie is very like rush pilled um and I (laughs) mean it's it's definitely deliberate like i don't see how you could uh because like a lot of the rush references in this movie like it's almost like a plot point like they bring up rush so much in this movie mm-hmm. and the cuts are so deep that's like you can't really replace it with like you can't just like copy and paste another band name in there imagine if it was like soup and stevens <laughs> <laughs> um but like it had to be rushed. Like, I, I don't know how this movie would have worked if it was, like, any other band. Um, like, if or if, like, Rush denied them or something. Because, like, it it's so specific. They would like, just go to the screenplay and be like, Command F, replace. They would just cancel the movie, I think. Um, replace Harry Styles. Kill me. Um, no, I think... <laughs> I, I And also, like, Slap in the Bass is, like, one of the funniest cutest scenes ever yeah oh, but I, I was gonna say that like specific situation is so common like where you're like trying to show somebody like music but it's like on a bad speaker and you have mm-hmm. to be like it, it sounds better like it sounds better in any other context than what i'm showing you or just like waiting for somebody's reaction when you're showing them something that you like yeah and that's again something i like about like him and rashida jones yeah. Is that like she doesn't really care that he's a dork. Like she's just kind of like supportive of his like little interest that he has. Yeah. It's also like she's never really like, oh, I don't like this. I don't get this. She's just like, oh, wow, that's amazing, sweetie. Yeah. Like even <laughs> like, when it like, isn't <laughs> good for you. But like it goes both ways too. Cause like he's like he clearly like, like with the whole HBO thing, which mm-hmm. is like one of the funniest lines of the movie. It's like one of the best nights I've had in my life. <laughs> we, we were curled up on the couch together drinking wine and watching chocolate on HBO <laughs> and Sydney's like chocolate <laughs> like he he's he's a wife guy he's completely a wife guy yeah and the movie never faults him for that it's okay. telling you it's telling you wife guys are the best but they also need friends how tall is he Jason Siegel no, uh, I know that Jason Segel is tall. Paul Rudd is... 5'8". If he's 5'8", I'm going to fucking scream. Um, what? So there's no way. Hold on. Let me look this up. Let me research. If he is, I will officially retract everything I've ever said in the pod. Paul Rudd height. 5'10". So he's not six foot yet. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My man is like 50. What do you think is going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> that was like one of the funniest things you've ever said on the pod. That was good. Um, I try. God. <laughs> Do you find him, would you find him more attractive if he was 5'8"? No, I think 510 is fine. Yeah, I know you think it's fine, but I'm saying in that little mind of yours where you the have... little mind? That little mind where you are conditioned to think that 5'7 is like... 5'8. 5'8 is like the sexiest height of all time. Isn't there like a small part of your brain that's like, I just wish he was two inches shorter? No, because I think it's really charming and funny, the height difference between him and Jason Segel in the movie. It's really funny. Um, I love Jason Segel. I love with all my heart. And Mm -hmm. he is one of my favorite just characteristics of him, not only like as a character in this movie, but like as an actor in general, Mm -hmm. is that he always seems like extremely soft in his roles. But he's like a fucking giant. <laughs> it's um, it goes all the way back to like Freaks and Geeks, where like he's easily like the tallest of like him and the gang. But like when he's like one on one with like Lindsay in that show, like he's just so soft with her and like so like very open and vulnerable with her, and she doesn't like what know to do with it. And I feel like he's kind of carried that trope into like every role that he's been in since then, and. I gotta tell you, another man that I would give it all up for. Um, I, they, they I, both, they work so well together. I feel like we talked about it before, probably on like the Forgetting Sarah Marshall episode, but all the TikToks of him just like walking around, uh-huh. like people just keep running into him. <laughs> He's everywhere. Like I recently saw one, I think I sent it to you, like it's still happening. Like recently I saw one where a girl was like the first person who congratulated me on getting engaged, Jason Siegel. And it's just like a video of him. Like he just happened to be there. Like when she got engaged, just like walking around behind her or something like on the beach. It's happening again. Jason Siegel. (laughs) Um, I would love if I, fucking propose to a girl and Jason Siegel was just there like eating a bagel or something. And you would leave her for him? I I would say sorry babes, but <laughs> sequel time. Um <laughs> I <laughs> um, but also what a cool name, like Siegel. Like Yeah. Love it. So good. <laughs> I yeah. think him and Paul Rudd work so well in this movie because they're both approachable. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. They both just seem like regular guys that are just, mm-hmm. they just happen to be like the funniest people ever. Yeah, because like if, I don't know, you had like, I'm trying to think of like another actor in this movie or like another comedic actor. Like, I mean, I love like Will Ferrell and most things, but like if Will Ferrell was like in this, it would be like, it's like an approachable guy in Will Ferrell. Like I can't approach Will Ferrell. I don't think no. like, but I could approach, like, I feel like if I honestly saw 
Paul Rudd and or Jason Siegel at a coffee shop, I could approach them and I would not feel bad about it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I might feel a little bit bad just because I feel bad about everything, but um, I, <laughs> but I would, I would still approach them. Um, and I think that's what makes them like very universally relatable in this movie because they're just like easily, they're good, easy vessels to like relate to. They're like you, but sexy. Wait, what? Celebrities, they're just like you, but sexy. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Um, I was just talking to my coworker the other day about like, it also goes like everything I said about Jason Siegel. It goes to like How I Met Your Mother too, because we, were, me and my coworker, were talking about how much we used to love that show, and mm-hmm. how much both used to like love Ted as a character but now that we're older we're like oh Ted sucks um and like the best character is Marshall Jason Siegel because like he's like the only one like he's just like in this movie like he's a wife guy um but you know Ted's like the single guy and you know Patrick Harris is like the player uh which is funny in retrospect (laughs) but um but he's the wife guy and he never plays anything other than that. Like, he's all he's either the wife guy, or even if he's a player, he's, like, chill about it. Like, in this movie, mm-hmm. he talks about, like, like milfs and stuff, but he doesn't do it, like, in a weird way. He's just kind of like, yeah, I vibe with them. Like, <laughs> he's just kind of like, I, I respect them. We have good conversations. They have good taste. Like, I love it. Yeah. I've actually only ever seen, like, two episodes of how i met your mother and like it was like me falling asleep on the couch while my brother was watching it um it was like super formative for me at a young age uh-huh um i've seen literally every single episode and i i do have like fond memories of it but it's yeah it's so funny i was just talking about this the other day but like it's like you have to kind of can especially like when you're growing up like with that show it really, I think, sends, like, a negative message about, like, what love is and, like, main character syndrome, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but it also has, like, a lot of undeniably amazing moments and great characters and uh, heartfelt moments. So it's it's weird. It's, it's like anything of the 2000s media-wise. You just kind mm-hmm. of to, like, watch it from a different lens if you ever want to watch it now. I, I couldn't imagine, honestly, watching it today. Yeah, it's I, one of those shows where it's like there are just too many episodes to even like want to even try and yes. get into it. Well, I I remember the reason I had it um, was because I got the boxed set of the first few seasons for Christmas one year when I was mm-hmm. like twelve or thirteen, and I binged them all. And I, you know, as a thirteen year old, like nothing's funnier than, and I think it was before you know Patrick Harris came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not sure about that. I have no clue when he actually did, but I mean, show, before we were like aware of like celebrities' personal lives, I, I I don't remember like whenever it happened, but like he in the show he's like a player, like he you know that like that's his entire character. Mm-hmm. Um, and he uh, eventually in the show he he goes through the arc of changing and becoming a dad, and it's a good arc. It's it's really good, but like, um that's something that's like 
so it kind of goes to the theme of this movie which is like deconstructing like what men are like and like mm. find funny and appealing it's not models it's not like beer and sports it's like fucking geeking out at a taco bar together <laughs> um but like you know how about your mother at a young age it was like I thought it was funny because I'm like, oh, this is what I should find funny, like sex jokes. Like, this is mm-hmm. what I find funny. Like, I conditioned myself into thinking. I'm not saying I didn't get any genuine enjoyment out of it, but I think a lot of it did come from, like, internalized, you know, I'll say it, like, just masculinity, like, error talks masculinity and, like, outlook on how, like, sitcoms treat women, like, and you're just conditioned to laugh at that and not take it seriously. And it's funny, like looking back on it now, like I could never rewatch it. I don't know how I could do it. Mm. Um, and, and I don't know. And, and that's why I like rewatching stuff like this. Cause it, it ages like fine wine, I think. Yeah. Two Jason sequel properties that are like completely different <laughs> in how they've aged. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the context, but I said M. Night Shyamalan. I feel like somebody... There's a joke about M. Night Shyamalan in there that I found funny, or a reference to him. Yeah, because I was convincing my coworker that I was talking about. um, He hasn't seen this movie, and I was trying to convince him to watch Mm -hmm. it. He's a big M Night stand, so I kind of repeated the joke to him. But it's um the guy that Paul Rudd works with. He like was talking about the headshot that he has. Oh, M Night Shyamalan takes his headshots. Oh my god, yeah. And, but the way he specifies is like M Night, director of the Village. <laughs> 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 I love when he like pulls all the photos. Like you notice this? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so, yeah, you probably pissed on it. Also <laughs> the. <laughs> Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium that um, Jason Siegel's like friend has to go watch it with his kids like every night. It's the same guy from Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. That asks like, you know, a girl with hair like this. Um, but yeah, it's also funny. Like, I I just love that he like wears Uggs and just like yeah doesn't pick up his dog's shit. <laughs> Like, that's his most problematic trait, is that he doesn't pick up his dog's shit. <laughs> and even so, he does it for, like, semi-valid reasons. Yeah. Not really, but, like, no. as valid as you can get with that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that scene where the guy is like, dude, I just stepped in your dog's shit. He's like a bodybuilder. And Jason Segel just has nothing else to do but scream at him and scare him. <laughs> 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 I think another, like classic scene is like when he like fucking freaks out at Lou Ferrigno mm-hmm. and Lou Ferrigno just like puts him in a chokehold and like makes him fall asleep and Paul mm-hmm. just like staring blankly like while it's happening mm-hmm. he's like on the phone with like, Rashia Jones and he's like yeah I think he just like got knocked out by <laughs> Lou Ferrigno <laughs> yeah I it's... love at the end um, when he shows up at the wedding right when the objections part is happening and Lou Ferrigno mm-hmm. is like about to like fucking like just like fuck him up, and then he has to say like, "I'm no, Mr. Frigg, no, it's not the wedding. I'm not. I don't object. <laughs> I promise." <laughs> yeah. Um. 
also yeah another thing too is like the very random inclusion of a um like random actor you yes, know very playing slim. themselves um yeah very very selenial canon um I, I love that trend. I think it's funny, and I don't think it should ever stop. I feel like every comedy from, like, 2009 upward has had that. Like, The Hangover had Mike Tyson. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so many others, like, had that exact, like, punchline of, like, uh, just celebrity playing themselves. Um, and, yeah, also at the end, like, with the wedding I love that little joke of like this is the weirdest group of groomsmen. I know? love the old man that he becomes <laughs> friends with because he's desperate to make friends. Yes, he's like, I like when he brings him the picture to the diner and he's like, "Are you?" I forgot the guy's name. He's like, Are you like Frank? And he's like, "Yeah." He's like, "What?" When did you take this picture? And the guy's like, oh, "I don't know. I just started using the internet like a few years ago." Like I. <laughs> I love him. He's just like a lonely guy. He just goes to breakfast like every weekend. Like it's so cute. Um, I like when he asks if he wants to be one of the groomsmen, and he's like, "Yeah, what the fuck else am I gonna do?" <laughs> so yeah. Cute. Um. Yeah, it's his wedding party. I think it's funny that like his brother was not automatically the best man. <laughs> yes. Um. Also, I like when Rashida Jones, like, calls him, and he pretends like he wasn't already on the way there. Like, on the yeah. moped. Like, yeah. I think that's just cute in general. Um, Same energy as, like, um, Edward getting Bella Jacob for a wedding present. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but even, like, at the end, when he's, like, he tries to, like, bullshit Paul Rudd, and then pulse like you're clenching like it's just so cute like oh my god like they learn from each other it's so pure like <laughs> i fucking love these guys so much um i don't know there's just also the little like running joke with jk simmons and his best friends like your brother's my best friend and hank mardukas <laughs> hank mardukas was like the most 2000s like it's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like at the end when he says it, and then like this cuts to like a guy insinuating like that's Hank Mardukas. Like it's just a guy, not an actor, not anyone <laughs> that you know. Just a dude. <laughs> he, he he like nods to Paul Rudd. <laughs> I don't know why it makes me laugh so much every time. <laughs> um. Also, I'll say, like, this movie doesn't have, like, any kind of, like, striking cinematography or anything, but, like, it looks very nice. I don't know how to put it. Maybe it's just the locations itself, but, like, even if that's the case, like, everywhere, like, all the location scouts, they did an amazing job. Because, like, the movie, just every, like, the, the... place they have the wedding at the the venice boardwalk like even like the the way they designed sydney's place like it's every location is just so nice to look at Mm -hmm. i don't know if i'm making sense right now. it feels like realistic too like it doesn't feel like it's like not like a movie house yeah 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 like i think some comedies 
or even like any movie that's trying to, to like relate to the characters and they're like this is where they live though and you're like oh so they're like rich insanely rich yeah um <laughs> maybe you could build out paul rudd although it makes sense because he's like a realtor so he has like yeah. money um but like jason siegel has like a small ass place and he's mm-hmm. like happy there like I, I honestly i would i would love to live where he lives it yeah. seems cozy in his man cave in our podcast room <laughs> is that literally not where doc sportello lives <laughs> I was thinking that <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson saw this and he was like, yeah, you're right. Let me try. He literally talked about how he like loves most like comedies. I mean, yeah, he's married to Maya Rudolph. I am. Um, I finally saw the licorice pizza trailer on the big screen. Recently. Oh my God. Literally. I just like cannot breathe whenever it comes on. So good. Um, I, it's like, is there any doubt? that's gonna be like the best movie of all time like no not at all literally (laughs) like i've just every time like a movie of his comes out i just already like yeah assume that it's like my favorite movie that's what if i I get a licorice pizza tattoo right next to my like never cursed tattoo um yeah i remember that's what happened phantom thread like i didn't even get hyped for it i just Mm -hmm. kind of accepted it i was like yeah gonna be a masterpiece yeah like I, the second like <laughs> the title was announced, I was like, yeah. Yeah. And then, like the trailer, I I've seen that trailer so many goddamn times. It's a perfect teaser. Uh, it's so good. That's what I love about his trailers. I don't mm-hmm. know if he edits them himself. Like uh, uh, Edgar Wright, I know, always edits his own teasers. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if PTA did the same thing because all of his trailers like, had like a lot of creative control over it. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure he edited the Inherent Vice teaser, because that's such a good teaser. Um, it's good. Like, I wasn't even thinking about this. So, the licorice pizza one is, like, perfect. Amazing. And I just realized that there's, like, only one, and the movie's coming out technically in, like, cities, like, in, like, two weeks. So, like, is yeah. there even going to be, like, another trailer? I mean, probably yeah. for, like, wide release, but, like... yeah. What does it go wide Christmas? Yeah. Here I, mean, I was York. making plans to see it like next week. <laughs> You're in New York. Go find it. I, I have to spend like 40 bucks to take a train to see worth it. Worth it. Worth it. No, I, I know. I went into the city to see Inherent Vice on 35 millimeter and it was perfect. This is what I'm talking about. She, Kira's always like, I just, I took the Ninja Turtle route down the subway and I, oh with Master Threader and I, saw inherent vice on like 80 76 552 millimeter print and there's like a live orchestra and i'm always like fuck you (laughs) (laughs) i think the only movie of his that i haven't seen in a theater is i uh i've seen all of them since the master i haven't seen any of the old ones in theaters because they haven't played here because I'm just a Florida boy, but um, uh, I think I call? just haven't seen his first one in a theater, which I've never seen that one. Part Has eight. anybody seen it? I don't think anybody's ever seen that movie. Part eight. Yeah. Part eight's great. Um, oh, okay. I've seen it. Only because I'm like, I got obsessed with him, obviously, and I like yeah. wanted to watch. It. He ever did, but um, I don't think I saw Boogie Nights in theaters either. But I think those are the only two that I haven't seen in theaters. 
it's just crazy to me that like every movie he's ever made is like the best movie of all time. Yeah. Like, right. Cause like Boogie Nights, I think I genuinely believe that like the drug deal scene in that movie is like the best scene of all time. Like it just the way like the fucking firecrackers are going off every few seconds and like Alfred Molina is just like a fucking maniac. Terrifying. It, it what a movie. What a fucking movie. What a picture. <laughs> what a picture. Um yeah, I think Licorice Pizza will change my life. I love oh, how we talk about um Paul Thomas Anderson, like at the end of like at least one podcast every like two months. <laughs> <laughs> I that's a white guy. Yeah. Yeah, my Rudolph old, is in Licorice I, Pizza. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. I took my um mom to see No Time to Die. Mm-hmm. And that's where I saw the trailer. And when she popped up in the teaser, she went like, oh, Maya Rudolph. Um, so. Benny Safdie. Yeah, Benny. Yeah, my mom also went, Benny Safdie. Yeah. She did not. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, yeah, I have to like kind of Trojan horse her to go see that movie because she hated Inherent Vice. Mm-hmm. Um, this seems a lot more grounded, though. Yeah, I I hope. I mean, I don't I don't hope anything. I hope it's whatever it is. But I hope it's like the most insane thing I've ever seen in my life. Same. Yeah, I don't know why I said I hope. Like, uh, <laughs> I I know I hope it's like just whatever he wants it to be. Because mm. I know it'll be perfect. Um, is it a coming of age movie? Is that what I'm getting from it? Like, yeah, I think so. God, I'm gonna that, that'll kill me. That'll actually kill me. I don't think you understand. Uh, like, I'll completely go off the grid after that movie comes out anyways <laughs> i love you man i dare i say perfect movie perfect comedy yeah dare you say it it's true mm-hmm. i need the audience to know that for the past like three hours before we were even recording like adam and i were talking for so long and the entire time our backgrounds have been mine is marty wolf from big fat liar saying ah daddy and adam's is the scene in b movie in which barry b benson is stuck in a glass it's like a nice like angle pointing upwards um with it's patrick warburton right Mm -hmm. yeah Patrick Warburton and Renee Zellweger's characters just like gesturing towards the glass and Adam looks like he's trapped in the glass as they're like yeah it's incredible (laughs) so we were just having like deep life conversations for like two hours and now we've just been recording like this um so funny I uh I gotta see the playback video because I wanted to see me like talking in depth about masculinity (laughs) with Barry B. Benson in a glass I (laughs) Honestly, that's I mean, a good metaphor. Yeah, the um, glass is uh, the glass is masculinity. Masculinity. I, I need to be freed. Yeah. Because um, honestly, masculinity is just being smashed with winter boots. Yeah. The winter boots in question, society. Literally. Damn. I- <laughs> I don't know. Any 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 final thoughts on this movie? It's perfect. It's a perfect movie. Yeah, no, I concur. I, I would honestly probably put it like in my top ten favorite comedies of all time, I think. Yeah. Which I didn't realize was a hot take. I didn't realize not everyone loves this movie, which is like insane to me to think about. 
but yeah. yeah it um i think it's a perfect encapsulation of loneliness and finding your people speaking of finding people where oh, can people find you god oh my god you go first you're gonna mess up my rhythm you go first <laughs> that was good though right it was great thank you um <laughs> You can follow me. <laughs> Sorry, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Adam underscore not Sandler. Um, my other podcast, the Aggressively Okay podcast, is still going strong. Um, I don't know uh, if you want to get fish tacos with Jason Siegel with me. Hit me up, or if you uh, want to talk about any mid two thousands comedy, hit my line. You can follow me at garlic emoji on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at Zillennial Canon on Instagram at the Zillennial Canon and leave us some reviews. Give us five stars or like one if you want to. I don't know. I think it's even no funnier tweet. if you give us one star. Um, yeah. Like give us like one star, but then write like a nice review. Like that's my favorite thing when you like are reading reviews for a product and it's like five stars and then like the review is like, this smells like shit. Like, why would you, <laughs> you know, just like a very confused person. Um, yeah. Yeah. If you have beef with us, like, just give us five stars at least. Then talk yeah. shit. Yeah. Um, talk shit in the comments, but give us five stars. Honestly, if you have beef with us, guest on the pod. Like, out us publicly. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, friends of the pod, girls like us, the funniest thing is they talk about, um, or they have in the past talked about when people give them three stars, how that's, like, the worst thing ever. Mm -hmm. Because it's, like, you either love us or you hate us. Like, yeah. why is there a reason to give three stars? <laughs> yeah, if you're, like, neutral, if you're, you're very, like, centrist, like, fuck off. Like, yeah. <laughs> what are you, Aaron Sorge? <laughs> <laughs> what, what episode did I say that on? B-movie, I think. Oh. Right. How he fitting. said, is this movie written by Aaron Sorkin? Because it's very centrist. Um, oh, yeah, that movie is very centrist, isn't it? Um, the, the classic episode in which we were both passed away while recording. High on the Pfizer. Um, oh. Wow, I can't wait to get our booster shots. God. Um, yeah. <laughs> we gotta watch B-Movie again when we do it. Yeah, I was gonna say I was gonna say that, but then I stopped myself because I'm like, maybe I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, do you get symptoms maybe, from a booster? I don't know. Some people are. Some people aren't. Mm. I just want to um, get it and have an excuse to take a nap. Am I right, ladies? The um, feminine urge to take a nap. <laughs> masculine urge to eat fish tacos. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> the masculine urge to like unbutton three. Of your buttons on your shirt and just play with the guitar. The bass. Whatever. All right. Well, All right. in the words of um, of Paul Rudd, see you in a GIF. Bye, guys. Bye.